You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. The week one regular season matchup between the Seahawks and the Rams is so close. You can almost see it on the calendar, John Boyle. It is exciting. Or maybe I'm making too much of this little kind of off week, bye week, zero week. What are we calling it these days? Uh, it's like the uh, preseason bye. I don't know what we call it, but I'm going to say you actually can see it on the calendar. Not almost. Well, it depends on how far you're looking on the calendar, John. And sometimes I just go day by day. All right. Well, you take it one day at a time. I'm (laughs) I'm looking at a calendar that's already got September on it. And I see September 10th versus L.A. Rams. It's going to be fun. I know. And I can't wait to dive into that matchup. But that's actually for a conversation that's happening in the future. Right now, we're just going to recap what we saw in the preseason, what that 53-man roster looks like. And, John, I got to be honest, it could be a fairly boring conversation. (laughs) Like. Hey, so the usual. No, hey, wait a minute. Was that a shot at me? No, both of us. Yeah. I think that's too soon. Yeah. I meant there was no drama in the decision making for the Seahawks. Because I think when final cuts came out, I I don't know that there were any surprises. Not really. I mean, maybe that we didn't really know the severity of some of the more recent injuries. So I think a lot of people thought Joey Blunt would be on this team. Unfortunately, he did end up on uh, getting waived with an injury designation, which for those who don't pay attention to the roster minutia, that means he will revert to injured reserve after he clears waivers, assuming he clears waivers. I Yeah, and I think it is interesting what happens at the DB spot. I mean, yeah. you got to figure out how you're going to get all those guys on the field. you got to figure out where Spoon is in it. I will say my only, and I'm not even going to say surprise, the name of interest to me was Jarek Reed. Yeah. I, I we had talked about him as a draft pick and a little bit in the preseason, but I would say it was the six tackles in the preseason finale that helped to secure his role because I don't know that he flashed as much prior to that last game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was a guy that we heard, you know, scouts rave about. John Schneider kind of singled him out as well as, you know, late round guys they were very excited about. And then not that he was bad in the preseason in training camp, but he, he just didn't really flash a lot. And then that last game in Green Bay, that second half when he was playing a bunch, he looked fantastic, had, I think, two tackles for loss, a bunch of tackles. And, you know, we always try to say, you know, it doesn't all come down to the final preseason game. It's, you know, a month body of work. But for him, I, I do think that really helped his cause late. Well, and I also think the other thing was the storylines we were focused on in that DB room, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and let me be clear. The coaches and scouts have been evaluating him the entire time, but the storylines that were dominating that position had nothing to do with him. Yeah, it, it was we all about, about you know, left you know, cornerback. Exactly. Nickel, Kobe playing safety. Yeah. Uh, did you see enough of Kobe Bryant at safety in the preseason to feel comfortable if he was out there in the regular season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, he's going to grow at that position. But if you talk about the talent he has, the playmaking skills, as he learns a position more, he, he could be really good back there. I mean, obviously, they've got the starters they love, so you hope you don't need him there. And I think a big part of Kobe Bryant's value this year is going to be they're still using him at nickel. They still see him as a guy who can play outside if they need him to. So he gives them – It's you know, there's certain players, it's almost like stealing a roster spot when you feel like, okay, this guy can play all these different positions 
and be a good special teams player, even if he's not a starter. And, you know, he's still in the mix at nickel, by the way, but even if he's not a starter, he's playing and he's helping you in a lot of ways. You know, the one thing that Clint Hurts said was he is such a smart player and yeah. he is able to adapt to so many things. You wish you could keep him at one spot. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's one of the things that he said in a production meeting. It's like, man, you wish you could just see him excel at one spot because he could be so, so good. He's already so good mm-hmm. at what he does. Yeah. But it, it'll be interesting to kind of see where that shakes out. In the time between now and week one, I don't know if the question is what's your confidence level that they get the right four on the field or five mm-hmm. DB. Maybe even six sometimes. Maybe even (laughs) six, right? There's a lot of options there. Do you think you have a good idea as to who who those combinations will be? Yeah, it's hard to say because the big thing right now, we don't know how soon Devin Witherspoon is going to be back. Um, You know, at this point, Maybe it's a tough ask to have him on the field week one if he's not able to practice right now. That the kind of the plan Pete Carroll outlined last week was get him back in walkthroughs this week and maybe practicing next week. So I think if he's not out there, it's a little more clear how it looks. Look, I think we all think Trey Brown might be a little ahead of left cornerback right now, but I wouldn't count Mike Jackson out there either. So there's still some competition going on there. So it's yeah. a long Long way to say no. I don't feel confident in my guess. <laughs> Should have just started you, with that. You bring up something, though, that I do think it's important. There's a lot of recency bias that yeah. happens in the preseason. So we are really focused on the guys that we have seen on the field, like, right now, immediately. The view of how this fits together changes going into week one. You, yeah. know, you, you didn't see the starters working together, right? There is something about the chemistry and how things all work together. So... Mm-hmm. Let's let's just keep in mind, again, they're being scouted, they're being coached, they're being looked at in so many different ways. Yeah, exactly. They're it's going off a lot pre-season. more than three preseason games, for sure. However, one of the standouts, you talk about stealing a roster spot. I'm not going to say that Jake Bobo stole anything other than the show, because we have been talking about this guy for a long time. And it's not just us, it's actually his teammates, both on offense and defense. I think it speaks to the type of person he is, the competitor he is. Uh, I think it was funny because, you know, the the more bubble thing kind of started happening in OTAs and, you know, guys were like, oh, well, wait till the pass come on. And then it started happening when the pass came on and then, oh, it's wait till the game. And then, you know, uh, each each moment or each challenge he got faced with, he just stepped up to the plate more and more and, and did a really, really good job. So, you know, I'm happy for him, excited for him. Uh, like you said, you've seen a lot of people come and do this and it's, um, you know, pretty awesome because, again, I don't know that experience, but, you know, you think you're going to get drafted, you don't get drafted. Um, then you come in here not knowing whether or not you're going to be on the team, but you work as hard as you can and, and you make it. And so, you know, now it's, you know, what do you do with the opportunity? I was so excited for Jake. Um, you know, just seeing, I mean, thinking about back in OTAs and minicamp when he was making all those plays and everyone was like, okay, what is he going to do, you know, when we put the pads on? And, um, you know, everything we've seen from Bobo is, you know, what he is, man. He's been making plays. Uh, he, he gets separation. He gets open, catches the ball. Uh, and he's just been a great player for us. And so I'm excited for him. I know it was a big moment for him. And uh, looking forward to, you know, him growing and getting better. That is Bobby Wagner and Geno Smith raving about the undrafted rookie. And look, I'm not going to lie. I was a little skeptical early on. I thought, you know, he's making the plays and the OTAs and all that. But you're like, it's hard to get over the speed thing. You just think, okay, can that speed or lack thereof work in the NFL? And when you're looking at it as, you know, you've got at the time we didn't know about the suspension de Eskridge, and when all the receivers are healthy, it's like 
does he play enough special teams to get that last roster spot? But now, depending on what happens with Jackson Smith and Jigman, we can talk about that in a second. But if he's not available week one, Bobo's probably your number three receiver, which means he's not just on the team. He's playing significant, meaningful snaps, getting the ball thrown his way. And it's just such a cool story. And it's fun to see a guy that, again, you ever think, oh, he's too slow. That can't work. Like, he's shown that if you do everything else right, you can compensate for those things. The one thing I will say about the speed is very rarely are you running in a straight line without some sort of obstacle in your way to come uh, exactly. to, to overcome, right? Yeah. Like, I understand why we get caught up in what the 40 times are in the combine. It is one of the ways that you evaluate talent because you don't have anything else in front of you. But you go back to the speed thing. I don't notice the speed thing on the field because what I do notice is his strength and his size and the way that he has created separation and made uh, catches. I was going to say, it's not like, you know, sometimes you think slow receiver, it's always going to make all these contested catches because he can't get open. A lot of these big plays he's had, he's gotten wide open because he knows how to run routes well. He knows how to, you know, you find spots in zone. So it's, he's, it's clear that for a rookie, he has a really good grasp both on the offense and just understanding the way defenses play. Well, he also has size working to his advantage. When helps. he stands next to DK Metcalf. Now, Totally different body types, but big bodies yeah. that are out there doing things. And I will say this. I know that there were a lot of people that had their doubts as to what his spot on the team was going to be. I talked to some of those wide receivers early on. And I kind of said, hey, what do you think? And they just looked at me and said, he's making the team. Yeah. I mean, this, this was before injuries. This was before anything happened. Mm -hmm. The guys in that wide receiver room felt really good yeah. about what they'd seen. Yeah. And now the Seahawks feel really good about seeing Jackson Smith and Jigba back on the field. I mean, I, Pete Carroll is so optimistic that sometimes you have to guard against yeah, getting you your kinda, hopes up. You kind of take it with a grain of salt when Pete's optimistic about injuries because Pete's optimistic about life. Life, right, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. And I love that. But yes. when you see him on the field and the quarterback is able to connect, well, it does give everybody a lot of optimism moving forward. It was great, you know, uh, to see Jackson out there. Um, got some reps in today. Uh, he's a tough kid, man, and uh, I think it's remarkable what he's doing. Um, but we love having him out there. Notice anything differently in how he caught the ball or how he really? I mean, it's a little different. You know, he's got a you know big uh, big little thing on his hand that uh, obviously restricts him a little bit, but it looked fine to me. So um, you know, I, I love to see how he progresses and how things go as uh, you know the coming weeks go. Yeah, you know, it, it was great to see him out there. You know, he's running around, catching passes. You know, I would caution that doing that doesn't necessarily mean he's ready for week one. There's a big difference between catching balls in an unpadded practice versus being able to take the contact and all that. But look, it's a great step in the right direction. It's a sign that this hopefully is not a long-term thing, even if it does keep him out a game or two or whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, awesome to see him out there. We, you know, everybody loved what they saw to him throughout camp in those first two preseason games. So whenever they have him out there, he makes the offense better. And I think it's more proof of his consistency. Yeah. It's what everybody's talked about, the way that he treats his job as a pro, even mm -hmm. though he's only been a pro for a few months. I think it's just more evidence of his consistency. Yeah, that's, and Pete Carroll said that on Saturday after the game. He's like, if anything, we're going to have to hold him back because, you know, he's going to want to be out there doing everything as soon as he can. Well, Pete Carroll has had to hold back one of his guys returning from a season-ending injury at the end of last year, Jordan Brooks. I yeah. know that he is chomping at the bit to get back uh, for week one. Bobby Wagner knows the talent. He also knows just the dedication it's taken for Brooks to get this far. To have an injury like that towards the later part of the, uh, the season and be able to, you know, work your butt off and, and make it and 
um, you know, being in a position that he's in, it's been um, amazing. It shows how hard he's wanted to work and, you know, what this means to him. Um, I'm excited to get the opportunity to play with him again. And, you know, we're going to make the most of it. January 19th is when Jordan Brooks had surgery on ACL. And you think, okay, week 17 injury, a couple weeks for the swelling to go down. You're thinking, okay, you hope to have, you know, have him back midseason. He'll be a nice in-season addition to the defense. He's off pup seven months after his injury. He's practicing fully a week or two after that. And as Pete Carroll said, at this point, they're going to be shocked if he's not on the field week one. That's that's just wild to me that he was able to make that kind of comeback. And as Bobby Wagner said, it's a testament to his work ethic, his dedication to this sport. And look, that's just a great bonus for this defense. Again, I think a lot of us just sort of assumed you're starting the season without him and you get him back when you get him back. Yeah, and if you watch him walk around, you can't tell. Oh, no. You have no idea which knee it was or that he was Yeah, he doesn't wear any. There's no nope. brace, no sleeve, nothing. He's just out there doing it. Yeah, it is pretty impressive. And it's fun to look forward to week one. That's what we are doing. It is also what our fantasy insider, Scott Ingle, is doing. Thanks, Jen and John. And we get you ready for your drafts, especially if you're at crunch time and they're coming up shortly by telling you what to do with every slot in the first round of fantasy football drafts here on Seahawks Fantasy Insider. I know many Seahawks fans have felt really good about the Seahawks 2023 NFL Draft, and we can make you feel good about your draft. Come away feeling like John Schneider and Pete Carroll did after taking Jackson Smith and Jigba and Zach Charbonnet early on. And we tell you who to start with in your draft from every single spot in the first round. And at pick number one, Justin Jefferson is the consensus number one overall pick. Number two, Jamar Chase, a great number two selection. He has caught 22 touchdown passes in his first 29 NFL games over his first two seasons. At number three, some people may opt for a running back or another top wide receiver, but I highly recommend Travis Kelsey at number three or anywhere behind that because you have to consider he scored over 100 PPR points more than any other tight end last year, and since 2016, he has not finished worse than the number two tight end. In fact, if he played wide receiver, he would have finished fifth at the position last year, and you get Wide receiver one production at the thinnest position in fantasy football. Christian McCaffrey will very go off in third. And I recommend him at number four behind Kelsey. At number five, Tyreek Hill. If Tua Tunga Viola can play most or all of the schedule this year, Hill will challenge to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. At number six, you can take a very safe selection. Austin Eckler is always a top-level fantasy running back, and he has played a full season in three of the last four years. At number seven, wide receivers are going to continue to fly off the board, so I would stick with Stephon Diggs. And then at number eight, I would go with Cooper Cup. He's healthy heading into the season, so is Matthew Stafford. If the two of them can get back on the same page that they had in recent seasons, this is going to be something of a value selection at number eight for an elite level wide receiver. At number nine, I do like Saquon Barkley based on my pure rankings, which you can find on Seahawks Fantasy Insider on the page you go to News Fantasy Insider. But Barkley sometimes is going to drop to the second round, so you should stick with the wide receiver run here. And I go with CD Lamb at number nine. At number 10, 
you're going to come around early in the second round, maybe get a top five, top six running back. So stick with another top wide receiver in A.J. Brown. At number 11, Bijan Robinson. This is a rookie that a lot of people like. Run-heavy offense, very versatile. If you want Bijan Robinson, you're probably going to have to take him by pick 11 because he's not going to last much longer. And then to finish out the first round, you can go with either Amonra St. Brown or Garrett Wilson of the New York Jets playing with Aaron Rodgers. I love the upside of Wilson. If you wanted to bump him up two or three slots, I'm good with that. But uh, Amonra St. Brown is my pick to finish out the first round with go with Wilson going early in the second round and Barkley going early in the second round. That should give you a good shell of a plan heading into the first round. And just remember... You know, don't try to guess what happens ahead of you. Don't try to stress too much about it. Let the draft come to you and simply pick your top-ranked player left in your queue or on the board when your pick is up. We will continue to give you weekly previews for every lineup selection and what you will have to do on waivers on Seahawks Fantasy Insider here on the podcast and also on Seahawks.com at the Fantasy Insider page. Continue to check me out also at thegameday.com and my rankings at rotoballer.com. And back to you, Jen and John. Thank you, Scott. We're going to dive into our numbers with a matchup between the Rams and the Seahawks next week. But I think just to kind of get the juices going. And look, it has not just been this week that the Hawks have focused on the Rams. I know I could have said that a little bit clearer, but they actually started looking at the Rams last week when they were getting ready for the final preseason game. And, And look, nobody really knows what happens in week one, but Geno Smith knows one thing. You know, it's always about ourselves, about, you know, continuing to get better every single day. And so, um, you know, we're, we're studying the Rams. Um, you know, I've already been studying those guys and, uh, you know, putting together a plan with Shane and all the coaches. So uh, we just got to continue to work day by day. You know, the game's going to come, you know, on Sunday and, and we'll get a chance to go out there and play those guys. But for right now, we got to focus on how we can get better every single day. And so uh, that's kind of where we're at still. OK, but arguably they might have a little secret weapon in Bobby Wagner. Yeah. I mean, like a double secret weapon. He's like a double agent. But yes. Yeah. But he's also just really, really good. Well, that helps. <laughs> he's also just good at football. <laughs> he's just 33 years old. He's going to be running the defense. There is, I, I can't imagine there's anything that he has not seen. Yeah, he's not an easy guy to fool at all. And to your point, he's been in that system now for a year, knows the personnel there, knows what they, what they like, what they do. So can't hurt to have him going against his old team. I also really appreciate how Bobby handled his return, like yeah. how he thought about it. Because even though he was the unquestioned leader when he left the Seahawks and spent a year in L.A., when he comes back, well, it wasn't just about plug and play and walking back into the building and taking over his old spot. You know, at first it was an adjustment because obviously you left for a minute and, you know, you kind of wanted to come back. I didn't want to I didn't want to treat it like. It was when I left because, like I said, that a lot of guys became leaders and a lot of guys, you know, got put in certain roles. And so, um, you know, for me, I just wanted to, you know, add to that, add to, you know, where the guys were at. Uh, you know, obviously the fans have been amazing. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, to finally getting out there and, and playing the game. I really like that point Bobby made about kind of coming back and understanding the leadership side of it. Look, he's Bobby Wagner. He's going to be a leader of this defense. I have a hunch he will be voted a captain, maybe a co-captain with Quandre Diggs or something like that. But Quandre Diggs has talked about this, like Bobby being gone 
he had to step into a bigger role as a leader, and I think that was good for him. And even Jordan Brooks, as a young player who was calling the defense last year, that helped him grow. So for Bobby to understand that, to have that self-awareness of like, look, he knows who he is. He's an alpha. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best to ever do at his position. But to also understand, like, look, these guys, their role increased. They became leaders, and I can't just come step on that and, and boss everybody around here. So, I mean, again, naturally, he is going to be a big part of the leadership this year. But I like that he has that awareness to let other guys lead as well. Well, and just having him in a meeting room is intimidating for some of these guys, yeah. right? Like, you and I know Bobby in a very different way than the rookies or the second-year players. Mm-hmm. Just his presence alone can cause people to go into a shell or be intimidated to ask a question or, mm-hmm. or to make a mistake. That's not the way that you learn. Yeah. Right. Exactly, like, yeah. so I love having Bobby back and not only has he seen a lot of football, but he's got a lot of perspective, which is why if, uh, if you ask him what he expects from this season and he tells you, I tend to believe him because he just carries that much weight and has played that much football. I think we could take this thing very, very far. I think we have talent at every position. Um, I think we have talent on offense. We have depth on offense. We have talent on defense. We have depth on defense. And now it's just um, putting everything together. And, you know, I feel like it's a cliche, but you take it one game at a time. But, you know, we are strong in, in a lot of areas. And, you know, it hasn't been that way for a minute. And, you know, I feel very, very confident where we're at, where we can go. And a lot of it is just, you know, putting your best foot forward and, Understanding there's going to be highs and lows, but trying to remain balanced in the process and be your best version of yourself. I like the way he says it. We haven't been that way for a minute. And I think that's a good, um, like, it's honest that, look, the Seahawks have been a good competitive team year in, year out. They, you know, they missed the playoffs a couple years ago, the one year. But even in recent years when they make the playoffs, they haven't quite been as deep and talented across the board as maybe a decade ago when Bobby Wagner and company were really thriving here and I think what we've heard from a lot of people and seen from a lot of people this year in camp it's just felt a little more competitive there's been a little more edge to it and they're deep I mean you look at all the preseason games the two they won and even the one they lost their depth was either winning them games or getting them in games late where they feel like you know there's not a lot of fall off from the ones to the twos and so on so I think Bobby Wagner he was not a guy to sugarcoat it he's not going to say that he would he would have said something else and just not gone there but for him to point that out he really feels the difference between maybe the teams he was on the last couple of years here um, than you know what he's seen this this fall or I guess summer still not quite to fall yet. Yeah, this is what happens when you look too far ahead on your calendar, John. No, this is why we take we it one some, day at a time. Because we got some rain, but it Just threw me say, off the weather. Bobby and I are taking this one day at a time. All right. Maybe you should alter your approach. I'll try. I'm just saying. Those, those are my words of wisdom. My career advice for you certainly there's a lot to be excited about for the Seahawks team look there's some question marks but there's also some great matchups as we look ahead towards that game week one against the Rams that is what we are going to dive into next time but for today we'll just say thanks for listening 